This is After the Bell Rings, a podcast brought to you by the Triad School District in Troy, Illinois. In this series, you'll hear about what your kids are learning, how they're learning, and ideas to strengthen the school-home partnership. Here's Adam Geisen. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of After the Bell Rings. My name is Adam Geisen and I've got a serious brain trust of triad folks here in the room and we're going to have a conversation today on the podcast about screen time. What is appropriate screen time for students of all ages? We've got elementary folks in here, we got high school folks in here, we got middle school folks in here. So we're going to uh, start this conversation. I'm just going to have everybody sort of go around, just quickly say uh, who they are, what they do, and then we'll then we'll start chatting. So Mike, we'll start here. Mike Wogus, instructional tech coach here at Triad. Uh, Sarah Phelps, Elementary Computer Science and STEM. Amy Van Hoos, District Curriculum Coordinator. Rodney Winslow, Principal at Triad High School. So this was Dr. Winslow's idea uh, to have a podcast about screen time because this is a conversation that comes up, um, I think, a lot between parents and, you know, and, and when kids come home and they say, you know, we were on a computer or doing whatever today. I think a lot of times parents' mind goes straight to, you know, they're they're doing what they sometimes do at home, which is watch YouTube and specifically on YouTube, watch other kids play video games, which you know, we're, and we'll probably talk about that in a second. But um, and we want to sort of understand and, and kind of get out there into uh, into the whatever the podcast world. The idea that what they're doing on computers in school is not always a filler. It's not always here. Let's watch this video while you know I check my email or whatever. As from a teacher's perspective, that what they're doing on these computers is beneficial and they're learning from it. So um, just to kind of start the conversation, and I know um, Dr. Winslow, this was sort of from a high school perspective, but we wanted to incorporate as many different grade levels as we can um let's kind of start out on the idea of what what is sort of the school's policy on on using digital devices in the classroom uh from the high school perspective well currently at at triad high school we are we are fully one-to-one so every student has a chromebook and uh, we grandfathered that in over the last few years we started off with the freshmen and then the sophomores and now we have all four grade levels Prior to that, we allowed students to use Chromebooks that were checked out of carts. So it was really tough for sometimes teachers to get Chromebooks when when they needed it. So they relied on their cell phones that students brought in. We had a bring your own device policy that allowed students to access their digital devices or personal devices to to supplement what is going on in in the building so we're at this point right now where all all students are are using chromebooks and you know i would say in the building we've done a lot of of background work in trying to get our teachers trained and in helping them be very knowledgeable about how the proper ways of of using those chromebooks and so we use a, we rely a lot on google apps for education we have a lot of other uh different types of 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 apps that 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 teachers use but they use it primarily as a tool a tool to help supplement their instruction and it's something that has 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 been very beneficial to our kids because they naturally gravitate to towards those devices it's no wonder if you have a teenage kid middle school kid they're always going to gravitate towards towards a device right? right so being able to engage them in something that they that they have uh uh 
that uh, ability to to be able to use well in I think is is a positive thing. Right. And this, you know, in the in the days where we did the uh, the BYOD uh, policy, you know, that was really before these educational apps and and services really started blossoming, and so there wasn't a ton we could do with them. We had them, That's right. but like kids were still texting and kids were still, you know, it was even before the days of Snapchat and, and whatever else, and it wasn't necessarily a, as much of uh, a distraction as it is now. But you know, the Chromebooks have taken over uh, their need for devices in the classroom, and, and it's more than word processing. And, and when we start talking about, you know, because the adults, the people who are parents now, their idea of what a computer is, is, you know, Microsoft Office, and I'm writing a paper, and that's what we do with computers. And, and that is not all that happens with these computers. That's correct. There's a, there's a lot of collaboration uh, between students and, and their peers in group projects. There's also collaboration that takes place between the teacher and the student in sort of modifying and, and looking at uh, assignments that are created, whether it be on a Google Docs or a Google Slideshow. You know, those are all all great things. Uh, but I I I would I I also want to make very clear that you know there are times in the building that we have students turn their devices off. Yeah. It's very very clear the teachers have the autonomy that they they don't want the Chromebooks out. They also are very clear that that phones should not be out. Um, you know I've always been under the uh, advice that that students are that these devices are here to stay. And so we need to help our students know how to reasonably handle these devices so that when they get out to be 18, 19, 20 year olds, they have uh, they they know how to use them well, but they also know when is the right time to use them. And so what better way to be able to supplement the parents instruction by doing it also in the building at the at the high school level. And so I've always been under the thought process that we need to help kids reasonably know how to use their devices and when is the right time and when is the wrong time to use them. And so that's why I've never completely shut down on saying students should not have their phones. They need to have them in their lockers. It's a distraction. You know, I think there's a better way of teaching our kids how to how to use this reasonably. Right. It's all about digital citizenship, digital literacy, and that all starts at the lower levels too. So they have to come into the high school with at least some, you know, and again, this is only a year, a year and a half old, this the full one-to-one idea. And so the younger kids haven't started working their way up yet, but they're learning at the elementary level. So let's talk about elementary for a little bit and, and kind of what the one-to-one process looks like down there. I'll let either one of you guys go ahead. The elementary buildings have really been exploding with technology recently, too. We kind of started up with a few third, fourth, fifth grade carts, but we are now one-to-one in second through fifth grade at the elementary. And then our kindergarten and first grade hallways also have access to Chromebooks and desktops and tablets and all kinds of different technology in their classroom. So I would say that second and third, fourth, fifth, they're I mean they're using a Chromebook on a daily basis. Right. And then kindergarten and first are I mean at least weekly if not daily right. in their classrooms too for for some project or uh, independent learning that's going on there too. And then obviously we've got Sarah who is 
here with our fourth and fifth grade teachers doing all kinds of different projects and computer science with her kiddos. Yep. And actually, digital citizenship is part of our curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, We follow the ISTE standards for um, computer science. And part of that is understanding your rights and responsibilities as a digital citizen. So we spend um, time in both fourth and fifth grade learning about those major concepts of digital citizenship, things like media balance and understanding sharing private and personal information. Mm. We talk about cyberbullying and also things as, as complicated as phishing, because I know that my students are already experiencing these things. We've yet to talk right. about a digital citizenship concept that they didn't have background knowledge on. So um, we use a great resource. Uh, Common Sense Media has something called Digital Passport, which is very appropriate mm-hmm. for elementary students and presents it in a game-based way. But it opens that door for a conversation about you know what is digital citizenship and, and how am I responsible for what I do online and how I spend my time online, even at this age. Because we know that this tool is very powerful and we're we're giving this very powerful tool to young students who don't quite understand the the scope and the and the consequences involved with technology mm-hmm. um, because they're they're naive they're 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 so um, wonderfully naive and right. so we want to really help them as they're growing up using this technology to use it appropriately and to use it in a safe way um, at school and at home and right. all the time well and that brings up a good point so I think as parents may be listening to this podcast they're like yeah 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 that's all well and good what is the number what is the hour of screen time per day that I should prescribe for my child and I think that that's kind of where I think a lot of parents are it's like what is the what is the answer what's the golden ticket here for for screen time and i think our answer to that and and we you know done some research and and talking to people and and it's still really really early in this process of of kids being uh this exposed to digital devices all the time uh that the research just doesn't tell us anything right and i think that the whole point is and if, if parents can come away with anything from this podcast is that the screen time is not nearly as important as what it is they're doing on the screen. Absolutely. I've read a lot of research about that to support that idea that just like with anything, um, what is actually happening during that time is so valuable. Are they engaged with what they're doing? Are they creating versus consuming? Those all matter. Um, Some of our students are just drawn to technology. And sometimes we worry that that's a negative thing. But instead, we could harness that. We know that that's really the future. Most careers are going to involve some kind of technology. So taking advantage of that interest and that, that predisposition to that tool um how can we help our kids see it as a tool and use it to create and and be excited i don't think anybody would be upset if their kid wanted to sit around and you know read for (laughs) 12 hours straight or or draw beautiful artistic creations (laughs) or or play an instrument so we should embrace this as a tool as well i'm gonna go play outside no 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 you only get two hours a day (laughs) of outside play exactly i mean that's not that's not how the world works you, you know, know when, when sorry, i taught when i told my wife that i was doing this episode on on screen time she's like oh great now i'm gonna have a bunch of mom guilt <laughs> after listening to this and i said no yeah, no I no that's not actually what what right. we're all about we're again tr- just trying to help people understand that i think it's different for for every student and based off your comment here so you know i heard a really interesting statement that you can have resume building screen time and you can have entertainment right screen time yeah, well, what, a what's a resume building it. screen time? Hey, if it's at the high school, you know, it's great for kids to be on Khan Academy to keep on reviewing for their skills uh, going into testing or for uh, classes that they that they have. If it's middle school, 
you know, going through IXL. You're never as a parent going to say, no, you can't do that, right? right? But that's resume building stuff, right? right? So that that should be the free freedom of the uh, to, for the kids to be able yeah. to do it versus entertainment when you're just purely looking at uh, just vegging YouTube, out. vegging yeah. out right. on Hulu, you know. Yeah, in portions, that's good, but, yeah. uh, but it's you not, know. it shouldn't be full time. It's interesting too because we were talking about this before. We should have been start we should have recorded like the first 20 minutes of this conversation before we actually started. But the uh we were talking before about watching kids watching on YouTube videos of other kids playing video games. And as much as that seems like and it, I think that there are definitely elements where you're like seriously you're wasting your time. But as a kid, do you guys rem- I don't know if you were you Nintendo players? You guys play Nintendo? Yes. Yep. Do you remember Nintendo? Was it Nintendo World the, the magazine? Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power. <laughs> do you know that I lived? Not that I know that. Right. No, Nintendo Power. That was it. I used to for the ones that were about Zelda. Cause Zelda was my Read favorite video game. All to like the the, yeah. Stuff. yeah, and that's basically watching people. Because then you know nine times out of ten the kids will come back and try to do the same type of thing they watched in the video game. Now, depending upon the video game. That could mean lots of different things. Um, you know, there, it's really hard for me to find a good educational value for Fortnite. I haven't found it yet. It may be coming. <laughs> social. I don't, social. Yeah, yeah, the social side. Yeah, that's social okay. strategy. All right, strategy. All right, you got strategy. Okay, strategy. You, you, you All right. build things. Okay. You, you, okay. Yeah. So See, I'm not have, totally writing it off. I have a junior. I have a, a college yeah. freshman. Yeah. His, his screen time is pretty much Netflix, right. other than doing college work, you know, right. the office and things like that. My junior is all about watching other people play Fortnite. Mm-hmm. And then my eighth grader is either schoolwork or YouTube videos on satisfying things. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm about. talking yeah. about? Where yeah. they watch things that supposedly <laughs> calming and yeah. satisfying. Yep. And she's uh-huh. just... A, is it AS? I don't even. I don't know. I don't even know what the acronym is. But I but we were talking about. about this earlier. Yeah. We look at these these uh, students or our kids watching videos of people playing video games and it's no different sarah said this earlier it's <laughs> right. no different House than hunters. us watching videos yeah. of people buying houses right, right. that's absolutely true that but you got to know wh- what does you what how does youtube market they market so that at the very they so they get a pattern of the types of videos right. that those kids watch right. it just keeps rolling and the algorithm is set that yeah. it makes it a little more enticing yep. for the next yeah. one so i mean that's just the way that these entertainment youtube videos work is that they yeah. try to entice you I hook think you in probably one of the most beneficial things that i read from because i was reading a few articles on on you know the, obviously the american association of pediatric doctors has has recommendations but even that you know they they still are like these are just recommendations right um one of the most powerful things I read was when your kids are younger and and are really still establishing these habits and these behaviors have mutual screen time that is really Mm -hmm. important shared screen time shared screen time is Mm -hmm. so important because then they can see that you care about what they're doing but also you can you can kind of help guide what they're doing online and that's not just plugging them in for saying well you know the the pediatric association said that you can have two hours I'll see you in two hours right Mm -hmm. it's not not letting the screen babysit but instead engaging with your child and saying you know, oh, what what can we do on this device? What can we learn from 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 this device? And showing them the value mm-hmm. of that. My, oh, sorry, e- go ahead, Amy. A great example of that might be um, if your child is a kindergarten through eighth grade student here, you can have access to their IXL account. The student just needs to log in at home. You can put their your email address in, mm-hmm. and you start to get emails of what they've accomplished at school. So as you're getting these certificates and these emails, log in with them, see what they've done. 
and then help them make a goal for what they're going to do next. Maybe something that's challenging or new for them. What what could we do next? And maybe you could be there to help teach or start that off with them as, they, as they're going. So a perfect opportunity for a little bit of shared screen right. time at some of the, the younger grades. You know, and sometimes, too, it's just a matter of asking, what are you watching? You know what I mean? Right. Well, and, that, and that's, I mean, I've got one son mm-hmm. who just loves uh, tasty videos. He's really into like cooking <laughs> Me too. and stuff like that. <laughs> and so we had, we just for Christmas, we bought uh, the Google Hub with a little screen on it. So it's really easy to play videos on there. So we sat in the kitchen. We have a television, but I don't know why. We sat in the kitchen and watched the YouTube. Like we watched like 10 tasty videos in a row. And then picked two of the recipes we were going to do, and then we did them. And he did, like, we made our own chocolate syrup. And, you know, I mean, like, he he's getting really creative, and that's his inspiration are those Tasty videos. So when you're talking about, I mean, is he, like, interacting? Is he creating? Not necessarily while he's watching, but it did inspire creativity and creation after the fact. While my other son is really into sports and things, and he um, he watched a, a ton of videos. It was a couple years ago. Actually, it was, like, three or four years ago. So he's in eighth grade now. So it's, it was it was he was a while I would say he was probably 10-ish and um, had an entire like 30-minute conversation with an adult man who was a fan of um, soccer, like international soccer. And I don't watch that stuff. We don't necessarily know a ton about who the players are, who's how much are these guys going for, you know, what are the ratings and all these things. He had this 20-minute conversation about, you know, what should Milan, who should Milan pick up next and who, you know, Chelsea's on a run. And, and like I'm sitting here like – where does he know this? And so I asked him afterward. He's like, oh, it's, you know, there's also, I watch soccer videos on YouTube. And like, he's learning something. And it's not that a parent is sitting there saying, you should watch this because I think you should know this. He's interested in it. And so he's watching videos and, and knows things. And I think that, that that is something that we sometimes forget. Um, is that they are, you know, some of these weird videos of them cutting things open. I don't, that was a big trend for a while. Did you guys where they mm-hmm. were like cutting stuff in half? Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you not learning from seeing what's on the inside of a golf ball or whatever? That's like the vir- virtual version of our makers. Absolutely, right? that's apart, exactly right. Take it apart. I mean, <laughs> but, but I think what you're doing there, Adam, is that you're you're encouraging that that discussion with your kids, right. and you're and I think that's very important for us uh, for us to suggest to parents is that it's that conversation piece that you get to interact that family time, and it revolves around a device. I know in our family, our favorite game to play is Jackbox TV, and it's a game that we can display up on the. On the TV, and each of us have a have, have a device in uh-huh. our hand, our phones, our Kindles, and we're able to interact with each other using that. And it's a great family type of activity. That's the one where is that the one where you do the pictures, yeah. and then the sayings, and it makes the T-shirts and stuff like that. They have what's it, called yeah. fibbage. They yeah. have drawings and things of That's, that nature. That seems it's from the company. Uh, you don't know Jack. Do you guys remember that? Like the trivia I video games. That. Yeah, it's yeah, that, that same computer company. game. I know it was a long time ago. They made it through the 90s. I think so along with that kind of concept, another kind of thing that stuck with me was helping kids understand how the technology makes them feel, how media makes them feel. Right. So, you know, if you're playing a game for a long time and it starts, you start to feel upset, you start to feel angry, you start to feel nervous, insert or or same thing with like watching YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. If you start to feel agitated, helping kids become aware of those things and helping them become um, cognizant of this media is making me feel 
like, you know, uncomfortable and I don't like that. I need to stop. I need mm-hmm. to just helping them. And really, I think some adults need that practice yeah, too of being reflective of what am I doing? I've chosen something, but is this actually making me happy? Right. And and being able to say, you know, it's time to take a break. I'm starting to feel I'm, I'm not right self-regulating anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting upset. I'm getting frustrated. I, I need to step back. I need to stop. And helping them develop those those kind of coping mechanisms and skills as well when it comes to, right. to digital media. It sounds like, Sarah, that you're talking about, you know, instead of just having set rules that are very parent top down driven, yes. having those conversations with them is even better. Oh, yeah. And trying to help them understand the nature of it and come to a conclusion together. If they can come to a conclusion on their own about why we shouldn't be uh, looking at our screens right before bed yes. and helping them understand that, I think that they are able to buy into it. Yeah, it's not just authority saying because right. I said so, because you right. should only do this because you know I'm in charge. They actually can begin to make those decisions because they know that that's that's right, right? right? You know, kids, kids. If given the 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 choice, my kids would definitely choose like junk food, right? Sure. But they, we've had this conversation. They know that that's not healthy, and so then they can at least feel confident when I'm like, no, you cannot have another Twinkie. You know, why, where I'm coming from. Uh, sometimes I don't think we have that same conversation about your health, right? This is about health. If you're not doing, um, if you're not making healthy choices or you're doing something for an extended period of time that's not making you smarter or a better thinker or inspiring you right. and you're tuning out, you know, here's why that's not the best choice and, right. and here's why we could use this differently. And, and now it just becomes more of a, a, a just a decision that makes sense to them right. and they might be more willing to make it themselves. And I think play, parents play an important role in that too, as you're saying, you know, having the conversations, but also uh, modeling the behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, if we're, if we don't want our kids to be on the phone, you know, staring at their screens before they go to bed, then we should also not be on our screens before we go to bed until like, maybe after they go to bed. <laughs> so, maybe, you know, but at least at that point, you're, at least you're modeling that. Right. You know, I mean, if you've got, if you don't want your kids to have their phone at the dinner table, then do not have your phone at the dinner table. You know, I think that that's something that, you know, I often forget it. You know, I mean, the, the even though the work day often ends at 3.15, you know, work continues. And that's yeah. hard to shut that out. But I think that that's a model. And that's something that we sometimes have to do, too. And Facebook will still be there <laughs> after dinner. I think it's really important to, um, to have that conversation about a stopping point right. in the evening. Um, I don't know how many I times, agree. even as a third grade teacher. Yes kids that young came in and would fall asleep in school and i'd ask why right well i was up really late playing on my phone or playing on my kindle or playing on the computer or watching a movie in my room well did your mom and dad know you were doing that no or sometimes yes but having that conversation about an appropriate stopping time and even having the kids choose with you might make it easier but as parents we have to be aware too of what time our kids are ending and then actually making sure that it is stopping because there are lots of kids who come up because they have been playing a video game all evening or watching TV late into the night and then they are not able to function as well. Just like mm-hmm. like Sarah said, they are not making healthy choices so they're not able to function as well during the day. So it's really important as parents to kind of have a, a little grasp on how long they're actually doing that and then that they're following through <laughs> with the rules that you guys make up. Right. Well, I think there are a couple apps and things that that will kind of help monitor that. Um, I know we were talking earlier, Dr. Wenzel, you've got one that you use um, with your kids as far as... Yeah, this last summer, uh, Apple came out with a screen time app. And a lot of it was based upon, you know, the media industry was just getting, having all this research. And they said, you know, you as phone 
creators, you need to do a better job of trying to help parents monitor their kids' screen time. And so Apple came out this last last July with a with an app for a, if if you're sharing uh, a if your child is is on your family plan, uh, you're able to see the amount of time that they have spent per day, per week. It's broken down into entertainment. It's broken down into apps. You can turn your turn the phone off at a certain point at night, not give them internet uh, capabilities. And I think that that I, I know that there are common apps that are developed also for the Kindle uh, through for Android devices. Mm-hmm. And I think as parents. It's important. I don't do it always perfectly. I'll be number one to say that, but I think it's important for us to to monitor our our kids' screen time and help them understand that there should be some cutoff points, just like Amy said. And there's and you know I mean there's always an analog version of games as well. You know there's Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with a board game every now and again too, and being like I love Risk. I'll bet. bet. (laughs) You know my favorite board time. When I think of my favorite games, usually Risk is not at the top of that list because I was terrible at it. But I saw a really neat idea the other day. One of my one of my kids' favorite things to watch, or like you know the the Pinterest fails. You know they Mm -hmm. nailed it on Netflix, and so there were families that were doing that as a family evening so they would like pull something up and then everybody would try to recreate whatever it was that they found like a tasty video or something you know and um there's actually a bakery in highland now that's offering those classes you can go and do it with your friends Um, but just turn something that your kids enjoy into the real world world. exactly help them see that that there is a connection there this is not just a place that we go off into that's that's totally removed it really does have a connection back to our life Mm -hmm. right an inspiration a motivation something um because that's 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 the tool it's so powerful we can learn so much from it we can be inspired but not if we're not Consciously making that effort right? and Fortnite existed long before the video game. We just called it like paintball right. <laughs> laser tag 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 Just go play tag right that works, too um, So <laughs> I think we've covered a ton of, of information And I know that this is a conversation that is not over and by like like dr. Winslow said we by no means like have this wrapped up I mean we are all parents We know it's a constant battle and and it's something that I think that we can handle together and I, and you know start the conversation with your kids start the conversation with you know teachers teachers will talk about the cool things they're doing with technology I mean there are some amazing things that our youngest kids are doing on computers that just couldn't happen without it mm-hmm. and so you know when you start talking about real problem solving and coding and this kind of idea while this is it seems like it's new and um, it'll, it's a fad this is where our world is and it is the jobs that these kids need to be prepared for is being able to use technology in an appropriate and in an efficient way and i think that that's if nothing else that's what we're hoping parents get from this is that this is what we're trying to teach our kids that there's not really a great you know here's it's two hours a day it's not necessarily two hours a day it's what you're doing with those you know that time on the screen that's important i think it's also important i think that you've kind of hit this too that we in education are using technology we're practicing what we preach basically right. that we're not using technology as a distraction or a time filler but that we're really intentional about how we're right. using that technology to support our kids and make them even even stronger students and better learners and i think that if we can model that usage during our time that we're helping too we're helping support um those positive interactions with technology you know we don't just put them on there when we want a break we put them on there because it's valuable to their learning and they're going to walk away having earned and and learned something from that time and and being one-to-one it's easier to do 
because we always had to schedule labs and like you couldn't always find them, didn't always work. Now uh, it just makes things easier for teachers to be able to say, okay, we are learning this on this day and it happens. And there's not, or and, it, and it may only be for right. five or 10 minutes yeah. of a period yes, and exactly. then it closes up and then they go back to the traditional right. learning. Right. My favorite is when a kid asks a question and we legitimately can answer that right now. Let, let's mm-hmm. go find out right. how, what, what a powerful way to show kids that like the world is yours to learn and right. really inspire that learning and with the next this piece podcast of topic should be, are the kids really learning if they have all the information at their fingertips when, you know, I mean, we just didn't know things before we had Google. People are like, well, what, you know, when was this movie made? I'm like, well, I don't know. Hold on, let's find out. But you went on with your day and you just didn't learn it. Right. So are kids learning because they're searching? Is that, are they learning skills to be able to search efficiently, to be able to search correctly? Fake news? My gosh, we could, we've got a whole other topic <laughs> that we could that so we could branch into. The offshoot. The other, exactly, absolutely. This is going to be the spinoff episode mm-hmm. of our of this discussion. So hopefully we'll have all of you guys back. I'm serious. Let's do this again because this is a great conversation. This It's interesting to have people from different backgrounds kind of talking about the same thing because it is different at every grade level. Uh, and I think we, we all are fighting that battle together. And I, I think we're winning. Let's just say that. And most days I'm, I'm feeling pretty positive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Mike, thanks for being here. Yep. Sarah. Thanks. Amy. Thanks. Dr. Winslow, thank, thank you. you guys again for coming. Um, so check us out on afterthebellrings.org. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, on uh, Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, any other place you can find podcasts, you can find us. Uh, so thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to After the Bell Rings. Our mission is to strengthen the school-home partnership. For show notes, to contact us, and for more information, visit afterthebellrings.org.